awesome to be together. I hope your hearts are full of expectation because I do believe that this morning, uh, you know, just as much as we've opened our hearts to him in worship, we've been challenged with these testimonies, see deacons come on, uh, it's just signs of life. But individually for each of us, uh, just as I've been sitting there in worship, you know, God is, I feel like prodding, speaking. Um, and the one thing I just wrote down over here, there is nothing hidden that God can't see this morning. And you know, sometimes we try and put on a brave face and come on, most of our connection in the local church when we see each other on a Sunday, how are you? I'm fine. But meanwhile, there are issues that you're battling with, so then you are lying. You're actually a liar if you say you're fine. But somehow in Christ, we've got to find it that we can open our hearts to each other. Uh, if you read that book of Philemon, it blows me away at the connections that there are. Why does the Holy Spirit allow that little insignificant book about some runaway employee? Why does he allow that to come through? Because it's a wonderful, fresh look at what relationships should be in the kingdom of God and how important we should be to each other. Look around you today. Just look around. Just maybe stare at somebody. Look, observation is, number one, they are a lot uglier than you are. Right? Number two is in a group this size, it's almost impossible to know each other. We were reading at preacher's meeting on Monday, and the biggest church in uh, Spurgeon's time was the one that he had the privilege of, of leading. And there were 5,000 people in that church, and he knew them all by name. Come on. We need to get a whole lot further than just fellowship is a wave goodbye or a wave hello. There's so much more over here. There's incredible testimony and connection that God wants to give us. That's what we're going to preach on. But what I want to do highlight is tonight's prayer. Once a month at five o'clock, we're going to get together. And uh, I'll give Greg a written warning when we get to the office tomorrow. But the, the big thing was our theme is we are praying for revival. Interesting, as we go around the country and speak to guys from other parts of the world, there is this great expectation for revival. I don't know about you, but I believe the status quo needs to change. If you held on with bated breath at the uh, State of the Nation address and thought, all our problems are going to be solved now, you were sorely disappointed. Even if by magic, Cyril had pulled out five power stations and placed one outside your house so that you got permanent power, and the Rand dollar was one-on-one, -on -one and et cetera, et cetera. That's absolutely useless. My hope is to see water everywhere in the city of ours, and that is spiritual levels rising, people getting born again. Took two old ladies, you've heard me say this, and they continue to be my heroes, and when I get to heaven, I hope that somehow I'll be next to them or we can have a quick chat. One crippled, could hardly walk, the other one couldn't see. And they prayed for revival in the Hebrides and revival came. There was a hunger and thirst. 
And I'm not, that is not the formula. We don't need two old ladies, one crippled and one blind, and then we let them pray and revival is going to come. It's the heart of passion and desire for more of God. I hope every single one of us over here today are saying, Lord, we want to repent, number one. Our appetite for you is not what it should be. Number two, help me include in every single devotional time, personal and in our togetherness, this prayer. Revive us, O Lord. Revive us. We need more. We want to see more. I want to see people kind of queuing up because they want to know how to be born again. I want to see Acts chapter 2 reenacted. And Jesus said it in Acts chapter 1. He said, uh, you know, these times are going to come. You know, there's, uh, he's not coming now, but we're going to see seasons of refreshing. We need one in Joburg. So tonight at five o'clock, there isn't a sermon. We're going to wait on God and we're going to say, Father, revive our city. Everywhere your gospel is preached, would you revive it? Everywhere there's a believer is a center of revival. Right now, your house is a center. I hope of not bad report in the neighborhood, but a center of revival. I want my life to be a, a center of revival. You know, in the book of Philippians, uh, Philippians, Philemon, it says of Philemon that he refreshed people. He was a cold Coke on a hot day. And when you hear that, Yes, I tell you, your throat gets excited, your eyes, everything. And you know, you drink till your eyes water. I don't want to be a warm Coke on a hot day with no fuzz left, actually. <laughs> I want to be that cold Coke. I want to be refreshed. You, you got it, eh? You got the language. Yeah. Refresh. We, that's revival. Refreshed is another word for Revival. Every one of us have access to the Father by the Spirit because of Jesus to walk in revival. Turn with me to the book of Philemon. We had a big argument on eldership. Some are saying Philemon. I'm sticking with Philemon. I'm from South Africa and Philemon is cool. So we're going to read it again and hopefully you've read it more than once as well. And notice how we've kind of worked through a theme, the power of salvation. You know, it shows you. A guy like Philemon, Philemon, uh, was loaded with cash, but he's got this wonderful testimony of being born again and fruit that prove it. And remember, Jesus' teaching was it's harder or it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to inherit the kingdom. Isn't that amazing? And so it's possible, not him, you know, it can happen. But the way we do it is we do not allow money to become the God. If God has given you an ability, and some of you, you cough and you make a profit, that's just the anointing of God on your life. Others, we cough and we don't know where our money went. <laughs> we got the other anointing. I want that other one. <laughs> but if it is, it's not you that makes money. It's God is blessing you. Now, let's be good stewards. If you just recently put up new bonds, empty them. Give it away. Because, man, there was a guy who became profitable. He put up bonds, and that day God required his life, and he was found wanting. 
So it's possible for the rich. And for this runaway slave, lowest order of life in those days, he had stolen money and he was punishable by death. And he got born again. Isn't that fantastic? So for every single one of a year, it's possible to be born again. Then last week we looked at the power of love. And I hope you sang the Whitney Houston song. You didn't. No, there wasn't time. Okay, no, that's fine. So without further ado, we're going to look at the power of relationships very quickly. Uh, verse 1, Paul, a prisoner. So what we're looking for as we read through it now is the indicators of relationship. I'll help you by pointing out a few things. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother. That's it. That's the kind of relationships that God wants in the kingdom of God. Look around you. Can you call those around you brother or sister? Or are they pain in the neck? And you've got to kind of just endure this meeting and then you can get away from all these silly people? No. Our brother. To Philemon, our beloved fellow worker. This isn't poetry. He loves Philemon. Man, I want to love and I want to be loved because that's the way God made me. And in the kingdom, it's altogether possible. Aphia, our sister, that's Philemon's wife. Archippus, our fellow worker, that fellow soldier, sorry, that's Philemon's son. And the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. Isn't that beautiful? Don't you want to know that when somebody thinks of you, they say, Thank you, Lord. Bless this brother. Bless this sister. I love it. Because I hear of your love and the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus Christ and all the saints. You see, that's the, the basis of a relationship is love. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I've delivered much joy and comfort from your, I've derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. That is our key verse for today, is Philemon refreshed people. I want my life, this has got nothing to do with money, it's got to do with attitude, and to use everything at your disposal to refresh others. Do you are you an oasis or are you a desert? In other words, when people come sit in your house or when they're exposed to connection with you, are they sweating and exhausted and looking for an oasis? Or are you the oasis? And if I understand God, he has anointed us in Christ to be the oasis in the desert. Because where I am is life because of Christ. There's water, there's refreshing and all of that. And others should be refreshed by me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the midst of my enemies. Reality. And I do believe it's the way we conduct ourselves with our relationship with God because it doesn't come from me. I have not got an ability to refresh. But in Christ, I have an ability to refresh. In Christ, I have a reservoir, a, a, a kind of supply of love and faith and, and, and heart so that I can reach out to others. 
And you see, this is the one ingredient that we, we've forgotten about, that Christianity is about relationships. And as I reach out with the love of Christ, they know that I'm his disciple. Accordingly, though I'm bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, imagine that we can demand and command things of each other. Yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. This guy's a very clever guy, Paul. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus. I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I have become in my imprisonment. You know, we've got to realize, go and read in Corinthians, Paul has been beaten with sticks. He's been whipped. He's clung to a plank a couple of times. He's had wild animals attack him, disease. He has had nothing. This is a guy at the end of his life who should, according to all of that stuff, be a miserable old whatever. But he's not. He's filled with love and he's got hope again because he's seen somebody else being born again and he's fighting for him. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I'm sending him back to you, sending my very heart. Isn't that beautiful? My very heart. Johan, my very heart. Yes, I love that. I really do. You see, maybe it wasn't kind of something you experienced, but every single one of us in Christ has an opportunity to love like that. As we look at others around us, we have that attitude. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel, but I prefer, I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. In other words, I'm telling you, I'm giving you an opportunity to make the right decision, but there is only one right decision. It's like a multiple choice. They ask you a very difficult question. There's only one block to tick. Not yes and no. It's, I basically believe you're going to do the right thing. And what verse were we in? Verse 15. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother. Another relational a description of our relationships, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if, me, if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. That's our connection in the gospel, partnership. Isn't that awesome? Seated here today are your partners in the gospel. I love that. Help me work that out, Lord. Isn't it exciting that there's so many different personalities and you know, types you know, Henny gets up and you want to all go to Namibia and see what's happening over there. You know, somebody else gets up and we want to charge in that direction. Jono leads worship and we all want to rush in and buy our guitars and, you know, partner with him in that. Well, not me, but some of you. Partnership. Receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge it to my account. That's why I'm very generous with the love and grace of God. If any of you want a coffee, from that coffee shop, charge it to Henny's account, charge it to Laurie Leo's account. Please do that. Laurie more than you. Okay, Laurie. But this should be it. I, I want to stand in the gap. I don't only want to love by saying to the hungry person, Lord, would you miraculously fill his stomach? Hallelujah. And then you bless him. No, you want to take money out of your pocket and feed him and fill that stomach. 
Because the way in which Christ loved us, we love each other, willing to give. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I'm hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus. You notice how often fellow comes up in this. Very important. He sends you greetings, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow workers. So this is not about independence, Lone Ranger Ministries International. This is interdependence. God has called us to be fellows, work with me ladies, together. We've all been called together, interdependent, connecting, using each other's gifts, assuming on each other's love, believing we are going to refresh each other. That's believing the best. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ with, be with your spirit. Awesome. So kind of, I just want to maybe paint a broader picture this is really about moving from attendance to inclusion and participation. The job's not done when you arrived here in your car and you sat in the seat and you laughed at the jokes and you said amen and you put a bit of money in the silver bucket. That's awesome. But boy, have we got good news for you. There is just so much more. Because Christianity lived out is lived out through relationships, not membership. Not, I'm part of an organization. It's through us getting to know each other. It's through developing those relationships where we can start to experience the love by not only receiving but by giving and starting to do some of the things God has called us to do. Mission, we heard about it today. And that's together. God didn't say to Paul, off you go from Antioch, he said, Paul and Barnabas. And knowing that down the road, they were going to have a fat fight with each other and split. But yet, I'm going to risk it because I know that that's God's way. It's relationship. And guess what? Iron sharpens iron. So does one man sharpen another. It's risky. It's going to be hurtful. You're going to be misunderstood. You're going to get grumpy. They're going to get grumpy with you. But I want to learn through that because what use is it staying in my little box isolated and learning how to forgive? The only way I can learn how to forgive is when you hurt me. And the only way I'm going to get hurt is to get close. Because there's no ways you can sharpen two pieces of iron like a meter apart. You've got to get close and then the sparks fly. But through the sparks, you know, Adele. We've had a few of those. <laughs> World War II. <laughs> no, no, three. We're way beyond grenades. Now it's kind of all sorts of warfare. Anyway, through those sparks, we learn to love each other a whole lot more and appreciate each other. And through that, when we come out of it, I'm sharper for Jesus. And there's a whole lot of blunt weapons in the body of Christ because we're not, being, we're not learning the lesson of inclusion and participation. Your greatest adventure is waiting, and that's in getting to know the folk in this local church. It's from filling auditoriums to filling our hearts with a relationship with God and each other. And you know, the aim, as we as elders pray, is not fill every seat. It's revive our city, and if that's your desire, God, do it. 
but integrate everyone, Lord. Help us disciple them properly. Discipling properly means you're in accountable relationships. We call those life groups. And life groups is just a more formal way of what should be happening already. It's not just like life groups is the answer, no. Lower your guard, take a deep breath, do something that's contrary to culture, and go up to somebody and say, my name is Mark. I just met a new guy today. It's my new friend. He's buying me coffee today. (laughs) Isn't that cool? And so you develop. And then do the unthinkable. Would you like to come to my house for lunch? Yesterday, that's a big one, hey? That is the most vulnerable thing you could do. And I do believe we have homes and hearts and whatever God has blessed us with so we can reach out in love. I want to encourage us with that. Christianity is not a spectator sport. Get involved. Every one of us, let's get involved. Let's get involved. Roll up our sleeves and enjoy that, getting involved. And look, we can't be best friends with everyone, but God's going to give you a circle of connection. You know, it was interesting in the days that we planted more into our local area, uh, and we would see a church plant every two years or so. And you know, when the guys got up on stage with the team they were taking to plant the church, it was their relationships. I remember when Abe and Vanessa Foss got up here, they used to head up children's ministry. We lost every single children's ministry worker. They were off to go and plant a church. They were fellows together. They were connecting. They were kind of a community of 50, 60 already that were there. The church is made up of relationships. And so, like I said at the beginning, the first one is your relationship with God. And, and please, we're going to pray before we kind of break bread, give you an opportunity to sort it out with Him. Very important that and our relationships with each other. So our key verse is the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Can you say that of yourself? And I do believe that's a nice one-liner to put up somewhere and say, I want to be the person who refreshes others. Don't think of reciprocation. As soon as somebody invites me to coffee, I'll invite them for coffee. And if I invite them for coffee and they don't invite me for coffee, off the list. Imagine if Jesus says that. I'll only forgive those who forgive me in return. I only love those who love me in return. How many of us would be off Jesus' list already? Long time ago. This isn't about reciprocation and doing it because somebody's going to do it to me. This is, it's, you know, the love of Christ is do it first and carry on doing it regardless. That's how Christ loves us. He just keeps loving, He keeps giving, He keeps forgiving. And so we need to adopt that heart as well. Break my heart with love. If you have a grumpy anointing, please go into your, well, that's the seven dwarves. Either you're happy or you're one of those others. You dock, you think you know everything, you're grumpy, you're always like moaning and complaining. Please get rid of it. Because in Christ, that's not, that's not the default anointing of Christians. The default anointing of Christians is joy unspeakable and full of glory so that you refresh. I don't want to be a grumpy dude. And if it is, look for the thorn, find it and ask somebody to pull it out. Because honestly, it's just putting you on the back foot. So the kingdom of God is family. We know that. It's all, he's the father. We are his children. He sent his son to save us. And so we better get 
busy with God's way of referring to church and not being attendees or part of an organization or a member of a club. No, no. We are family together. Settle that in your heart. And then realize that it's through Jesus Christ relationships are possible. I have not got the ability to sustain loving relationships and to forgive. There are times when it's very difficult to forgive, when I've been hurt, when I feel as though I've been misunderstood and, and you know, in every way, they've, they've, they've not really come to grips with how good I really am. <laughs> you know what I mean? And now I've got to forgive. But that's God's way. They were spitting, cursing, whipping, putting a crown of thorns on him, and he had committed no sin whatsoever, and he forgave. And I want to do exactly the same, and it's only through Christ. Remember, the commandment is to love your Lord, your God, with all your heart and all your might and all your soul, soul and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Very important that we do that. So... We're in this together. I just want to make that as the last point before we break bread. You know, it's interesting that word fellow comes up a lot of times, and you have to ask yourself, why does it come up all the time? Because it seems like it's common in their speech and the way they were living their lives. And this is it for me. Fellow worker. In other words, there's work to be done in the kingdom. But the big thing is, Dash, together. There's work to be done, together. Fellow soldier means there's a war to fight, together. And I feel often we fight that war on our own, and we get beaten up badly. But together, you know, one puts so many to flight, two puts exponentially more to flight. And when we're working together, we put in so much more to flight. And we need to be back to back and face the enemy together so that we can overcome, we can protect each other. And then it talks about partners. Uh, Philippians 1.5 says that partnership's in the gospel. So there's a gospel to preach, there's a mission that we've all been called on together. Isn't that awesome? We can talk about it, we can encourage each other down that road. And then he talks about fellow prisoner. In other words, in it all, there's a price to pay together. We do all of this together. So I want to invite you into that expression of Christianity. I really do. And so in conclusion, the starting point is in Christ. The next thing is, are you integrated and functioning? At the back, there's a whole list of life groups you can get involved in. Come and chat to any of the leaders. We'll help you with this because it's about being integrated and functioning. And then discipleship or Christian maturity is made possible through relationship. Some of you, we have had incredibly difficult words to say to each other. And we've misunderstood each other. But today we love each other more than we can believe. Because we've worked through that. And God has reserved it that through my wife, I'm going to grow. So either she's iron sharpening iron or she's some kind of zombie God put in my life to devour me so keep your eyes open when you sleep no 
And so every relationship, when we get close, it's for our benefit. And so I want some benefit from you. I want others to say that about me. I want some benefit through you. I want to be a benefit. Practically loving and serving. Laying our lives down for each other. Praying for one another with thankfulness. Generosity. Genuine love and kindness. Keep short accounts. Forgive. Forgive way in advance. Live healed. That's the way we're going to grow to our full potential in Christ.